y'all. Welcome back to What's Next. I'm your host, Paige. In today's episode, I'd like to discuss why self-care is the key to relationships. Now, I know that sounds uh, maybe contradictory or or hypocritical, right? Like, how is self-care, you know, care for myself supposed to help me with my relationships with other people? Right? Well, before I address that specific point, I need to provide some background information to explain my rationale, why I think the way that I do. And of course, throughout this process, I encourage you to question what I'm saying, whether or not it resonates for you too. So, let's get into the background information. So, I've come into the awareness recently that some people confuse this idea of intimacy with intensity. So intimacy versus intensity. So how I understand this idea of intimacy is connection, closeness, friendships, like a heart-to-heart connection, a soul-to-soul connection, So true, unconditional love, not this, you know, transactional type of love that, you know, oh, I'll do this if you do that, you know, not this idea of fixing or trying to save other people or having pity for another person's needs or merely just caretaking. It is a true, genuine heart-to-heart connection. So no matter how someone changes over time in their development, their evolution as a human being, you still, you love them and honor them. But that's, again, that's not to say, let's say someone changes, you know, you should just stick around with that person for intimacy's sake, even though, let's say, they've changed to the point of becoming physically abusive, right? Like, obviously, no, in that instance, that is not intimacy. But so again, so here it's all about, intimacy is all about true, unconditional love. Doing things from the heart, not expecting anything in return. Okay, so that's this idea of intimacy. So some people confuse that intimacy with intensity. Okay, Intensity is like this measurable sensation in the body. Like it actually, you can feel it. Like you can, there's a visceral, physiological, bodily reaction. Like, you know, stress. Like we all can experience and feel stress in our body, right? Like the tightness in our jaw and and mouth. You know, notice if, you're, if your jaw right now is tense, the tongue on the roof of your mouth. You know, how are your shoulder blades, you know, and the quality of your breath, right? Those are all measurable sensations or feelings in the body. And those feelings are connected to what we call emotions, okay? Emotions are these things that are immaterial. We cannot see them. But the feeling... That's located in the body. So they're they're different because one's physical and one's non-physical, but we believe they're related in, in scientific circles. So the intensity of that emotion does not equate to love. I'm going to say it again because it's powerful, I think anyway, at least for myself. <laughs> so intimacy... Does, no, excuse me, the intensity 
of that emotion, of that feeling in your body, it does not equate to love. It is not the same thing as love. And I'll give you an example. So I was working with a family not too long ago, and I noticed the father figure would, he was trying to relate to his, his daughters and they were not in a, uh, so he, he, they, they're not his biological daughters, but he, you know, his wife, they're his wife's children. Okay. And so, you know, there's already that complexity to the dynamic. Okay. And so the dad and the daughter were talking and the daughter, so the dad started picking at the daughter, like she, he, he kept asking her the same question over and over again. And it was clear that she didn't understand what he was doing. It, and she made it clear though, that she was not happy. She, she started becoming physically, you know, it was, it was clear like in her bodily sensation, she was shifting around in her chair, you know, being a little more, um, movement oriented with her hands you know, trying to, she began, she even told him that she was getting annoyed, like, you know, rolling her eyes, you know, it was clear that she was not happy. I mean, she was having an emotional reaction, not only physically, but you could see it in her face, in her eyes, like there were tears welling up, like she was trying to disengage because she, she felt like, she felt like he was picking on her and being mean to her. But see, from his perspective, he's thinking, you know, oh, you know how I'm sure we've all seen relationships where they kind of pick at each other, right? Some people think that that's, you know, a, a, a form of connection and closeness. And hey, if that's how you, if that's how you uh, receive intimacy, that no judgment. But it's helpful, obviously, right? If both people in the dynamic, in the relationship, view intimacy in that way. And so for, it was clear that there was, a, there was a disconnect, right? You know, she's, that that's not how she receives love. That That's not how she, that's not how she builds the foundation for intimacy in a relationship. Okay, but see, that's how he was going about the process. And, and see, I, I know his heart, right? I don't think he comes from a malicious place. I mean, I've had a lot of deep conversations with him about his love for both his biological and his, I guess technically they're his adopted daughters. You know, I know he has so much love for them and I know that he shows them love through a variety of love languages such as, for instance, financially. But I digress. So regardless, though, we can already see the disconnection, right? So for for his uh, stepdaughter, she doesn't receive emotional connection, you know, love or intimacy in that father-daughter dynamic in the way that he was attempting to approach her. And honestly, I, I believe that. So th that tendency to be perceived as picking on someone else... You know, it's really, I really think it's people trying to figure out their external world, you know, trying to build that understanding of, you know, 
learning about their external world through the feedback that they receive, through the social cues that they receive. But, you know, this is a, a perfect example of that demonstrates how this life experience alters their interpretation of reality. You, you, you see that, right? Like she has her life experiences and, you know, what she, you know, what her needs are, how she receives love, you know, what have you. And he has his own too, his own, you know, life experiences, history, you know, he's obviously father age, you know, there's the difference in age here, you know, she, that he's not her biological father. So there's that complexity, right? And so, but you can see how all these different filters influence their interpretation of reality. And so what I'm trying to provide here in this example is a demonstration of the difference in how people come to understand connection and love. Again, some people interpret it in a more, you know, emotional connection, that social connection, you know, heart to heart, soul to soul, whereas others may interpret it in a, you know, intensity, you know, where someone's picking the other person and that emotion builds and builds and builds and builds and then there's an explosion and then, and and you see it's just totally... <laughs> contradictory it's just not in a they're just they're they're out of sync they're not attuned to one another in that way and so that's what this example demonstrates again how some people when you know trying to build a a relationship no matter what it be whether whether romantic father-daughter colleagues what have you some people confuse this idea of intimacy and remember intimacy doesn't have to mean sex right so this some people confuse this idea of intimacy with intensity and so this is where I believe self-care comes into play. This is this is this dynamic right here just confirms to for me why self-care is so important. So let's talk about some self-care practices. The first is becoming comfortable with not feeling guilty or ashamed or you know, and, and noticing, leaning into that if, if, if and when that happens. But learning to become comfortable, because sometimes it can, it can be uncomfortable, you know, setting boundaries with our loved ones, you know, it's, it's challenging, especially when you've gone years and years and years and, you know, you, you've never done that before in your life and you, you may get some resistance, but those who are truly, I believe that, you know, whether or not they choose to stay around. I mean, obviously they still love you, but you know, some people have some trauma that unfortunately they allow it to prevent them from maintaining an intimate or, you know, establishing rather an intimate relationship. So, but I digress. So clearly calmly setting and keeping boundaries. So an example could be like with the daughter, you know, I think it's totally okay for a teenager to set a boundary for herself. You know, it doesn't have to, you know, obviously delivery is, is super important, right? <laughs> but it's obviously for me, it was very clear that she was not happy 
And, you know, and he would, he would respond to me like, oh no, she likes it, she thinks it's funny. And then when I asked her whether that was the case or not, she was like, no, I don't like it, it's not funny. And so, but see, how can we get to that point before a blow up or, you know, a breakdown in communication? And so again, that's where if something happens, you know, without being reactive, just notice how that feels in your body. And if you're noticing like anger or sadness or whatever, you know, again, lean into that. Really explore what is that. And and see, honestly, though, that, that goes to engaging in the practices of, of this podcast because they're going to support you in, de- in developing your awareness of those needs. So let's recap because I believe reiter- reiteration is really helpful for integrating this information. So again, self-care comes into play in a lot of different ways. So one way is to clearly, calmly, not only set, but and but you also have to follow through and you have to keep your boundaries, okay? Yes, only you can decide, you know, when you need to be a little more rigid and when you need to be a little more flexible. Your body will, you know, your emotions, your feelings in your body, they will alert you to what's going on. And so really, again, paying attention to that, it's really important. And this is an important point to note that there is, you know, some people will tell you, oh, trust your gut, you know. And honestly, I, I, I question that because what I'm starting to notice is that my emotions tend to be in more in alignment with my gut, but my intuition is something that's very different from my gut. My, my, my gut and my emotions signal to my intuition like, hey, you know, there's something, I, I don't feel like my needs are being met. And then my intuition steps in, you know, it, it provides me with that space and time, you know, between what just happened in my environment, that pause, and then my response. So rather than being reactive, which to me, I conceptualize that as being more of a gut response, that reactivity from your emotion uh, versus, you know, your, your intuition guiding you based on the observation of these emotions and these feelings that one, that you, the listener or whomever are experiencing in their body. Another example of self-care is allowing yourself to receive support and also too like being resourceful of how to find the support that you need or again clearly communicate like it's a it's a whole nutshell right there's a lot of layers to uh, self-care but so allowing yourself to receive to support so an example of that would be It's interesting. I've noticed a lot of moms will tell me that they 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 real they feel like they don't get enough help, that they can't take breaks, that they can't, you know, go do the things that they need to do for their mental health. And see, that sounds to me like part maybe you're not allowing yourself to receive support, and then part not clearly keeping, setting and keeping your boundaries, right? No one will take care of you, you know, whether this story relates to you or not. In general, no one takes care of you the way that you know and that you can take care of yourself. 
okay? And so you have to, we all, we all have to learn how to clearly, calmly set and keep our boundaries because it is imperative for our mental health. Not only, I mean, I would argue, you know, every layer of your being mentally, you know, which includes your your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, all the things. It's just, it's so critical, you know, because you can't pour from an empty cup if you're not really taking care of yourself, really taking a pause and a break and and not with, you know, without feeling guilty. You, you know, we all know when we're quote being quote lazy, right? But like we all need time for rejuvenation. And I feel like we don't get that enough. And I mean, I don't even have children. <laughs> and I, 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 I feel that way, you know, and so I, I just think about my friends and people I've talked to who have children and um, just people in general who like just work a lot, you know, it's just, it's, it's a lot. And so again, no one will take care of you the way that you can. So being firm, you know, of course, knowing when to be, you know, flexible and when to be a little more rigid, but setting the boundaries, you know, if, if you, and, and, and if someone makes you feel guilty or bad for that, because again, you know when you're being, quote, lazy, right? But if, if someone makes you feel guilty and bad for that, again, lean into that. What is that about? Not analyzing the other person, but turning around and focusing on yourself. Like, okay, why am I allowing this to happen? You know, not that you're, you know, we're not trying to blame the victim, right? This isn't, you know, we're not talking about like physical abuse or anything like that. You know, but but at the same time, choosing a, a stance of empowerment, right? Like, what can I do? I can't control his behavior, but he's hurting me. And I don't deserve that. So why am I staying? You know, and, and you know, finding, and then that goes to the opposite end that we were just talking about, right? We talked about setting boundaries. Okay, that's the boundary. Then how do we allow ourselves to receive support? You know, do we reach out to family, to friends, to agencies in the community? And again, that's not to say, you know, this, this these are just specific examples, but I, I hope you really think about how does this apply to my life? Where in my life do I need more self-care? And, and honestly, too, being open to the possibility. And the reason I say, okay, well, I'll say what it is and then I'll say why I say what I'm saying. <laughs> so being open to the idea that maybe your current strategy for self-care may not be as nurturing to your needs as you, as, as you believe. And that's not to get you to, oh my God, maybe she's right. No, 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 no. This goes back to, you know, you're in your own power, right? Only you can decide, but you have to be honest with yourself. And I'll tell you why. I'll give you my personal learning lesson. So, you know, if you had asked me like, mm, let's see, four or five years ago, what my self-care practices were, I would tell you they were they were highly different <laughs> from what I'm realizing. Like, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. My awareness is always, hopefully, right, constantly evolving. And so I've noticed, I've been able to compare my past state of being to my present state of being. And so I'm seeing all these different changes and shifts, right? And so what I'm noticing is that 
I would have told you, and again, my what my understandings are are not the same as yours, but what I'm coming into the understanding of is that, for example, okay, like having a glass of wine. You know, at one point I would have told you, yes, having a glass of wine is my form of self-care. And again, I'm not judging anyone. This isn't to say that this is what self-care is or is not for you, okay? I'm only sharing my personal realization, okay? So, but for me personally, what I've noticed is that, yeah, like, I used to think wine was a a self-care practice for me, and I realized what it really was, what I was doing was that I was numbing, you know, it goes back to that idea of intimacy versus intensity. It was like, I don't feel like I was providing myself with the level of intimacy that I needed, that I personally needed, you know, not that I needed necessarily from someone else, but what I truly needed inside. Um, because really what wine was doing was really numbing me to my feelings. So again, it was just numbing those feelings of intensity rather than facing that intensity in the body, you know, really identifying, okay, what is that emotion and how is that, what is that emotion or intensity? Like, what is that telling me about my needs? What am I not receiving? And how can I give that to myself? And so I learned that processing emotions is a necessity for me. I mean, I believe it's really a necessity for anyone. Learning how to, because, you know, if we don't stress, excuse me, if we don't face stressful emotions or stressful circumstances, we'll never grow, right? Think about when you go to the gym, right? You're lifting a weight. Well, you know, you're putting physical stress on your body. And when you do that with, you know, consistent time and effort, look at the strength, you know, of your, you know, you, your muscle has transformed. Well, the same is said for your, your mind or, and your emotions, you know, and so using these, these tools, they, they support you in developing that emotional strength and emotional maturity and working through those traumas. So how I would conceptualize or understand trauma would be like in 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 the in the context of communication, let's say. Like let's say how does trauma so it would so this is how the question would look. How does trauma influence our communication? Okay? Or uh, trauma could be unprocessed emotions, okay? So how does our how do our unprocessed emotions influence or alter our communication? And so think of a mirror. The glass is representative of your your truth, your whatever it is you're trying to communicate from your heart. And so we have dirt like, let's say you got the, the the truth from the attic. Let's say you've really been needing to talk about this and you haven't <laughs> for whatever reason. So you, you put it into the attic of your mind, right? So now you're getting it down and it has dirt on it. And that's, that's representative of your unprocessed emotions. And so, you know, when you show the mirror to someone and they, and they look at themselves in it, they don't really see your true, what you, what you really intended. It's covered, it's layered in all of this, in, in, in unprocessed emotions, in, in trauma. And so through this work, you know, we're able to wipe off 
that dirt so that your truth, so that what you're really trying to communicate and say is clearly understood. So what is seen in the mirror really reflects the truth or what said differently, what you're attempting to say truly reflects what you mean. No matter whether you are speaking to someone in general about a school project or a project at work, or you're telling, you're paying someone a compliment, or you're trying to build a friendship or a more, or a, a, a romantic relationship. So no matter what, when we're communicating, it's helpful to be mindful of the self-care practices that you engage in because the ultimate goal is that it will enhance your awareness, your awareness of self, and that includes your unprocessed emotions and traumas. And through that awareness, we're better able to once we become aware of them, we can actually use these tools to empower us to heal, to release and forgive and let go and do whatever it is that we need to do to heal. And then as a result, from my personal experiences, what I've noticed is that when you do this self-care work, your relationships, not only with yourself, in your internal world, you know, you're more self-aware and you better understand yourself, but you're better able to understand other people and understand, you know, what boundaries you do need to put in place, the supports that you may need. I mean, if you're not aware of what you need and, and you know, maybe it's not a boundary thing. Maybe it's a you need to learn how to ask for help, like pretend you're, you know, you're a mom and, you know... You want help, but, you know, maybe your husband isn't doing things in the house the exact way you want them done. (laughs) Go by the schedule. (laughs) No, I I totally understand schedules are important. But you get what I'm saying, right, ladies? Like, can you come, can we come to a place where, you know, it may not be perfect. It may not meet our expectations of how it should be. But can we let that go, no matter who I'm talking to, right? Can you let go whatever it is and just accept the help? Accept the help. Allow yourself to receive the support that you need. Priorities. Right? Setting priorities is huge. I would argue that, you know, your mental and physical health, like you need to, you know, go, whatever that looks like for you, right? You have to choose your self-care practices. But I would argue that's more important than maybe, I don't know, I'm just teasing and exaggerating, you know, but like how the, you know, what time exactly if the baby doesn't need, you know, at whatever time, it's 30 minutes late, like, balance priorities okay and so to recap everything it's important to practice self-care again I believe it is the key to healthy compassionate cooperative dynamics 
these practices that we talk about in this podcast, I'm beginning to realize and learn that they connect you or they connect me. They connect, I'm assuming all of us, because there is research to support a lot of what I'm saying too. So these practices connect, I'll say me, well no, I'll say you. These practices connect you, they connect all of us to our individual needs. And as a result, your perspective of yourself and your reality, it shifts. It shifts to a place of empowerment because you know how to communicate your needs. You know how to assert boundaries and you know how to maintain those boundaries. And all that happens because your awareness of those needs allows you to more effectively communicate those needs in a loving, non-threatening, non-ego-driven way. Like I'll give you, I'll give you an example. So the other day I learned that I really, my husband and I were teasing and kidding around and he was like, man, we really need our own office space. And I was like, at first I was like, oh no. And then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? That's a freaking wonderful idea. <laughs> and so he and I agreed that he he would move out of this room that we share and go into the other office because I, I you know, he took over our office that we shared over, you know, coronavirus. We've had to work in the same office. And so I was working all over the house and I just, I felt chaotic in my mind. My notes were all over the house. It was just, it felt like it was hard to get organized and we couldn't have meetings. It was just, it was just too much. It, it was, a boundary was needed. I, I, and he just happened to offer the support and made a really great, <laughs> made a great contribution. So anyway, so he moved out and he, we said that we would move that following weekend. And so it became Sunday Sunday rolled around and we still hadn't, he hadn't moved out of the office yet. And I hadn't really engaged in these practices that, that day yet. And I just came downstairs and just was like, yeah, you know, I, I need you to, to move your stuff, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't think about where I was coming from. I was coming from a need. I was having an unmet need. I was feeling chaotic, you know, and I was projecting my expectations onto him. And so I realized, honestly, I was being a little selfish. And I was like, okay, yes, we said it was going to be this weekend, but where, you know, he has his own life, his own needs, you know, his own hobbies, his own life. And so, yes, we agreed, but things happen. So can I, is this something I can compromise on? Or, you know, maybe I need to meditate a little bit and then reflect and then come back. And that's exactly what I did. And I realized that, again, I was I was expressing an unmet, I, I was expressing my need, yet it wasn't coming from a compromising, cooperative place. It was more of, you know, seeing an issue, a problem, and blaming him for the problem rather than looking within and be like, okay deep breath, you know, how can I be part of the solution rather than a part of the problem? Because I love my husband and I want my marriage to work. And, and you know, this can be applied again, whether we're talking about in your dynamic with your children, with your boss at work, 
your colleagues, your your in-laws, you know, the kid down the street that maybe drives you crazy because those loud kids, you know, or I'm just kidding. I don't know. Whatever your trigger is or whatever it is that you have noticed about yourself. And so I think I'm going to leave it at that today. So those are my, those are my understandings of why self-care is so important for our relationships. I'll leave you with a couple of questions for you to ask yourself. Where do I need to clearly set a boundary with myself? You know, maybe you need a boundary of, you know, bedtimes or eating habits, whatever. Where do you need to set a boundary with yourself? And where do you need to set a boundary with others? Maybe you need a little quiet time to rejuvenate. So maybe you you ask, you know, you compromise, you work with others and you ask for maybe, you know, can we can we start winding down at such and such time or whatever it is, right? Can we turn off the TV? Whatever it is, all no one knows what your needs are or even your expectations if you don't clearly lovingly communicate them, right? So asking those questions as well as where can I allow myself to receive the support that I need? Where can I allow myself to receive the support and resources that I need? Another question for you. What self-care practices am I willing to engage in for the next seven days consistently? And importantly, I would ask yourself, how do I experience love? Is it based in intimacy or intensity? And last but not least, how do you want to tell your story? From a place of intimacy or from a place of intensity? I hope these questions provide you with a starting point to really reflect, to enhance not only your well-being, but also your social well-being, you know, how you connect and relate and love one another. And on that note, actually, I would like to invite you to be part of the problem-solving community. So, for instance, let's say there's something in your life that you are struggling with. This is, this is maybe that opportunity for you. I'm reaching out and I will provide my support to you. I, you, as long as you are willing to be an anonymous participant, because I think it's important for people to hear your story. You know, they can, we learn from one another. And so hearing your story and how you work through and problem solve, I think that can be really helpful and powerful, empowering for other people. So if you're interested, feel free to reach out to our email account at what's next official 
2020 at gmail.com. You're also welcome to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash WN podcast. And also be sure to check out my private Instagram account, the underscore PhD underscore Yogini spelled Y-O-G-I-N-I. Thank you all so much for taking the time out of your week and weekend to listen to this podcast. It really does mean a lot to me. I hope you all have a great week, weekend, and I'll see you all next time on What's Next.